I said, are you ready for the word tonight? Amen. I love technology. Some of you don't know what's going on right now. My, my iPad is acting weird right now. And, and the problem with my iPad, it, it just needs to learn that I'm the boss. And uh, we'll get this straightened out right now. It's making me go this way. We began a series entitled, How to Experience the Blessings of God, which is praying for God's blessings. And we're focusing on an Old Testament example of praying for God's blessings. And this passage that we're going to be looking at, it's actually a passage that inspired a book uh, by Bruce Wilkinson entitled The Prayer of Jabez. The Prayer of Jabez. Jabez. And uh, in fact, today I prayed it again. And one of the things that I want to encourage you to do is find a, 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 a structure. Find a prayer pattern uh, that you can implement. And I've told you that uh, there are certain prayers that I pray regularly. Uh, I pray the Lord's Prayer regularly, our Father who is in heaven. But I've studied that from different uh, aspects so that it never becomes routine. And there's times when I pray the Lord's Prayer one way, and then there's times when I pray it another. Uh, and, and so I encourage you, because then you realize that you know what? I'm praying according to God's Word. And when you pray according to God's Word, there's an assurance. There's a confidence that fills your heart. The same is true of biblical prayers that we find throughout the Bible. Um, that in, in, in Those that God answered, there are principles in them that we can extract and we can apply to our lives in order to make our prayer life more productive and powerful. And such is the case of this prayer that we're looking at, the prayer of Jabez. Uh, it's in First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10 says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. This is a prayer that God answered. And it's a prayer pattern that we can apply in our lives. I've entitled it praying, praying, praying or prayers for God's blessings because each of the petitions that he presents to the Lord is contingent on the blessing of God. Only through God's blessing can we experience God's answers to our prayers. But then they also specify what kind of blessing he is asking for. And we are going to break it 
down as we continue in this series. Last week we noted that Jabez literally means he will cause pain. Imagine your mama naming you a name that means pain in the neck. Imagine your mama naming you a name like that. He will cause pain. And I shared with you that the reason she named him such is possibly and probably because her giving birth to him was painful. She endured a painful childbirth. And so what she did, once he was delivered, she projected on him what she had experienced. And I shared with you last week, someone else's projection need not determine your life's direction. Someone else's projection need not determine your life's direction. This is powerful because Jabez teaches us that even if you've been labeled, even if you've been verbally abused, even if someone has spoken words that in essence are curse words over your life, that were meant to keep you down, that were meant to hold you boxed in, that if you will pray, prayer has the power to break the curse. I do not care what has been declared over your life. The power of what has been spoken over you can be broken if you will call upon the name of the Lord. Because no matter what you've been labeled, titled, or named, His name is above every name and has the power to break whatever has been pronounced upon your life. We also noted last week that Jabez's example teaches us that through turning to God and depending on God, we don't have to live up to what we've been named. He was called pain. Or it was said of him, he will cause pain. But because he prayed, I want you to notice something. <laughs> that instead of being stuck living a life where he would be humiliated. The Bible teaches us that he was more honorable than all his brothers. His mom named him a name that would, le- would have left him behind in status, in prestige, in relation to his siblings, his brothers. But because he prayed... He excelled them all. Instead of being bound by a life of humiliation, his life was more honorable than that of all his brothers. Can I tell you something? There's a secret sauce. It's called prayer. And I'm telling you, if you will live a life of prayer, God will enable and empower you to exceed the expectations of others. God will enable you to supersede. God will enable you to rise above. You do not have to buy to the lie that I'm stuck in this position because I was the middle child or I was this 
born in this order in my family. No, I don't care what your birth order is. I know that there are psychological and uh, studies about birth order, and I respect that. But I want to remind you, there is something that can cause you to break the mold. It's called prayer. When you pray, you invite the supernatural power of God. And prayer turned Jabez's pain into gain. Again, he went from being humiliated to becoming more honorable than his brothers. Now, the question has been posed or presented. What's in a name? What's in a name? For many cultures, a name is not just what you are called, but who you will be. A name carries with it a sense of identity and even destiny. A name carries with it a sense of identity and even destiny. And so not only through the name he was given would he be identified as one who will bring pain. But that would be his destiny that for the rest of his life, for all through his life, all he could expect was to bring about pain. But he prayed and God answered. And changed his destiny. Now, there is another example of a mother giving birth to her son in the scriptures who projected on her child what she experienced. In the book of Genesis, chapter 35, verses 16 through 18. It says, Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Epheth, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had what? Hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Onai. But his father called him Benjamin. She called him Ben-Onai. Watch this. Ben-Onai means son of my sorrow. Son of my pain. Son of my misfortune. Sorrow. Pain. Misfortune. Imagine wearing that name, bearing that name. But his father intervened and renamed him Benjamin. Benjamin means son of the right hand. Oh, I want you to see this. Connected to the phrase right hand in the scriptures are the idea of honor, skill, 
and soundness or health and well-being. What do you mean, Pastor? Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit where? At my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. Here, this is a messianic psalm. It is referring not only to David and his ruling, but also it's speaking prophetically of the one that would come as the ultimate deliverer, Jesus Christ the Messiah. The one who the scriptures tell us now is at the right hand of the Father. To be at the right hand of the Father means to be in a position of honor, but also also a place of authority, a place of power. So here is this child who has been labeled, who has been told, you are going to, you have the reason why I have pain, sorrow, and misfortune, and who by his very name would probably think, I am stuck to a life of sorrow, pain, and misfortune. But his father renamed him and called him son of my right hand. His father was erasing what had been pronounced on him and saying, no, you will not be stuck to a life of sorrow, pain, and misfortune. But rather, you will be living out a life of honor. And not only that, but I see in you that you are gifted with skill. You are gifted with ability. You have a grace in your life to accomplish something. And not only that, but also you will have the wisdom to be able to live a sound life, a healthy life, a wholesome life, a productive life, a beneficial life. I want to let you know today, we have a father who has renamed us no matter what society may have named us no matter what others may have called us we can rest in the fact that the moment that we turn to our heavenly father not only did he receive us but he renamed us and he declares over you and i you are now in a position of honor i have placed you at my right hand you are in a position of triumph you sit right here because you your enemies are going to become your footstool. They're going to become subject to you. The world, the flesh, and the devil, your arch enemies, will not rule over you because you are no longer stuck to a life of sorrow, pain, and misfortune. But my grace has changed your destiny, and I have changed your name. <laughs> Look at Psalm 137.5 regarding skill. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its what? Skill. So the right hand speaks of skill. Doing something with skill. Tell somebody, I've got skills. Yeah, I've got skills. Yes, you do. And then notice Ecclesiastes 10.2 says, A wise man's heart is at what? His right hand. But a fool's heart at his left. Watch this. Right, left. Good and evil as the ancient world saw them. Right stood for good. Left for evil. In the ancient world, that was the concept. Right meant good. 
Left meant evil. And notice what it says. A wise man's heart is at his right hand. So when God says, you are my son, my daughter, at the right hand, he's saying, I've equipped you with wisdom to live a sound, wholesome life. Now, God renames to change identity and destiny. God renames to change identity and destiny. Also in the book of Genesis, we see God renaming. In Genesis 17, verse 5, God says, No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. One of the explicit teachings of the Bible is the importance of the words we speak. God was changing Abraham's name in order to change his identity and destiny. Abram, which means high father or patriarch. He changes it from Abram to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Now, his name was Abram, but then he changed it to Abraham. Now, notice there's an H-A in there. God included part of his name in Abraham's name when he renamed him. God was saying, I am going to empower you through my own nature. And I'm going to rename you because in renaming you, I'm saying that now I, through my power, am going to be intrinsically intrinsically involved in your life. And not only are you going to hold a place of status, but you're going to experience a life of fruitfulness. You're not just going to be an exalted father. You are going to become a father of multitude. I'm not just going to give you an Isaac. I'm going to give you Many, 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 many children. In other words, I'm moving you from what you can do addition to what I can do multiplication. Does anybody want to experience that kind of life? Well, God is letting you know, I'm giving you the power through what I name you. God wanted to give Abraham an upgrade. So he changed his thinking about his future through changing his name. And so from that day on, his wife, Sarai, who was renamed as well by God as Sarah, every time she would say, Abraham, he would think, father of a multitude. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do not name yourself anything less than what God names you. God renames to change identity and destiny. Look at an, exam- at an example from Jesus' life. In John 1, 40 and 42, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. 
and he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are, say you are, Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be, say you shall be. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Now, in my library, I have a Bible uh, that is called the Liberty Annotated Study Bible. Liberty Annotated Study Bible. And in it, it has a footnote related to this passage. It points out that Simon means, watch this, Simon means hot-tempered, volatile, and violent. Now, how many of you would say Peter had those characteristics? <laughs> in fact, I was reading about it today in the Gospels. When they came to take Jesus in the garden, Peter shanked the guy. Remember that? Peter just, I mean, he just sliced. His, thank God he missed where to his intended target. He probably was going for the middle of the head. He ended up hitting the guy in the side, cutting the guy in the side of the head, taking off an ear. And you think that's cool? Then Jesus, I love this. And then Jesus just grabs it. And it's healed. But Simon, I mean, he, 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 he was quick to act, but slow to think before he acted. He was also quick to speak before he thought. There are several occasions where he ended up with his foot stuck in his mouth. He was hot-tempered. He was volatile. You know, he said, hey, look, hey, Lord... Even if all these, these guys leave you, I'll go with you all the way to the cross, Lord. They're flakes, but no, nah, not me. <laughs> and what happens? Uh, he follows Jesus when he's taken from a distance. And then when he's pressed on, you are one of them. He's well, me? No. And to make sure that they didn't think he was a follower, he started cussing. He started cursing. And yet this is the one that when Jesus sees him, he says, You're Simon. You're hot-tempered. You're volatile. You're violent. But you shall be called Peter, Cephas. Which means, watch this, stable as a rock. Petros in Greek means rock or a stone. He was saying, this is who you are right now, but this is who you shall be. Because now that you're connected to me, he says, I see beyond what those around you see. They see you by what you are right now, by what you've been named. But when the Bible says that when Jesus looked at him, that word looked, emblepo in Greek, it means to look more than on the surface. It means to look at someone intently. It means to look beyond the surface into the very heart. That's what Jesus was doing. He looked beyond the dirt and he saw the gold embedded deep within him. I want you to understand today, that's who Jesus is. Jesus does not see just your frailties and your weaknesses. He sees in you that you have the ability to be more than a conqueror. He sees in you that you have the 
ability to overcome through him. And he's saying to you today, this is what you've been called. This is how people see you. But I see you differently. I see you for the, uh, having the makings of a champion. I see you as a winner. I see you as somebody that once you get connected to me, you will not be an outcast. You will be part of my family. And you will have the ability to rise beyond what people say your life is limited to. I want to remind us today, we serve a Jesus who believes for the best of uh, for us. And we've got to accept it. And we need to see it for ourselves. Amen. Say, God calls us by name. There's a passage in Scripture that really spoke to me last week. It's in Genesis 16, verses 7 through 13. It says, Now the angel of the Lord found her. Who's her? We're going to find out. By a spring of water in the wilderness. By the spring on the way to Shur. And he said what? Hagar. Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Watch this. The angel of the Lord, scholars, theologians, refer to the angel of the Lord as a theophany, which means a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ before he became the word that became flesh. That there are times in the Old Testament where Jesus appeared when, in, in, in a body form before He actually came as flesh and blood here on earth in the New Testament period. And this is one of those occasions. So the angel of the Lord would be a Christophany or Theophany, a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. And so when the angel of the Lord called, it was the Lord calling her. And how did he call her? By name. By name. And where was she? In the wilderness. Do you know why she was in the wilderness? She had just been evicted from Abram and Sarai's tent. You know why she had been evicted? Because she had fulfilled the duty that Sarai had told her to fulfill. Sarai could not have children. God had promised them children, but they couldn't wait. So she said to Abram, and this is the thing that trips me out. She says to Abram, hey, well, well, sleep with my handmaid. And Abram just said, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, when I read them, I'm like, <laughs> homie didn't even put up a fight. No, honey, that, w- that would not be right, honey. I would never, no, no, babe, I could not do that to you. Como que sleep with your handmaid? No, he, none of that. She said, <laughs> Yeah, it's in the Bible. Really, it's in there. And so Abram took her and they slept together and she conceived. She was with child. After the fact, Sarai is like getting jealous and all upset. It was her plan. It was her scheme. But now she's all upset. And she throws Hagar out. And now she's in the wilderness. She's got nowhere to go isolated, feeling like this is it for me. And then God shows up and calls her by name. 
And he asked her, where have you come from? And where are you going? You know why he asked her that? Because he was saying, you're coming from a past. And you're basing where you're going according to where you're coming from. That's why he addressed her that way. But watch what he says. She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Now we would think, man, now he's setting her up for more abuse. No, what the Lord was doing was setting her up to be provided for through Abram. That's what he was setting her up for. And then watch this. Watch this. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly. You know what is powerful about that? It's the very same promise that he had given to Abram. You have been mistreated. You have been abused. And from where you have come from, you think now you have no future. But I'm here showing up before you to let you know, not only do I know your name, you are Hagar. But I also have a future for you. I've got a promise for you. I'm going to bless you with descendants exceedingly. And watch this. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name what? Ishmael. And you know what Ishmael means? God hears. God hears. While she was there in the wilderness crying, not necessarily praying. All she was doing was crying her pain out. All she was doing was expressing her affliction and the anguish of her soul. But here's what you need to know. The Bible says of our God that He puts our tears in a bottle. I love what C.H. Purgeon used to say. He said, Tears are liquid praying as she is shedding her tears, as she is crying her heart out, not necessarily in prayer. God saw it as a soul that was pleading for intervention. And God showed up to let her know, I hear the cry of the broken. I hear the cry of the hurting. But not only do I hear their cry, I also come to give them a future and a hope. I also come to affirm and assure them that they are not left to be stuck to in, in relation to what their past has done. Their past does not determine their future. I will show up in your present to erase what your past has done to you and give you a future that will exceed what you thought possible. And after all that, At the end it says, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. El-Roi in Hebrew. El-Roi. Now, I just read through a book written by Glenn Packiam, which talks about blessed, broken, and given. 
And I love what he says, Glenn Packiam writes, about this encounter between Hagar and the Lord and applying it to our lives. He writes, sometimes the blessing comes when God renames you. Sometimes the blessing comes in being able to see God's character so clearly that you can name Him. You can say what He is like because you have seen Him. She named the one who called her by name El Roi, the living one who sees me. He continues, can you see God here with you in the middle of your story, chasing after you in the wilderness of your soul? God sees you. God hears your cry. God knows your name. Forget the names you hear in your head. Never mind the other names you've been called or the ones you've called yourself. You are not an outsider. You are not unnamed and unseen. God is rewriting your story, changing the way you answer the question of where you have come from and where you are going. The way your story began is not the way it will end. Your family of origin will not have the final say about who you are. Your current trajectory is not fixed and your future is not predetermined. Yes, your life will be a journey. No, it will not be easy. But God has found you in your desert and He wants you to know the blessing is for you. God says, I've heard your cry. God says, I'm here to heal your heart. And God says, I'm here to give you a future and a hope. You are not bound by the limitations of your past. You are set free to experience an unlimited future through my unlimited power. As I wrap up this teaching tonight, I want to share one more scripture from God's book. In Isaiah 43, 1, it says, But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Watch this. I have called you by your name. And what? You are mine. You are mine. You know what that means, Abraham? He has full custody of me. He has full custody of me. That means he has full responsibility for me. That's why, if you keep reading, in verse 2, you know the verse. He says, when you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And through the rivers, they're not going to overflow you. They're not going to drown you. And when you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned. 
neither will the flame kindle upon you. What is God saying? I call you by name. You are now under my full custody. And I am committing to be responsible for you. You will never find yourself in a place where I will abandon you. I will be there. And not only will I be present, but my very presence will envelop you. We heard it tonight. That wrap around presence of God. He will be our defender. He will be our keeper. He will be our sustainer. He will be our sufficiency. He will be our shield. He will be our high tower. He will be our buckler. He will be our rampart. He will be the protection that we need. What's in a name? Meaning. You know your name? It's Abraham. You know what it means now. You know what it means. Father of a multitude. And you know what I believe God is saying to you? I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to empower you with my anointing to be experiencing multiplication. I didn't call you to live a life of addition. I've called you to live a life of multiplication. That's what he's called you for. That's your name. And that's your assignment. You're a multiplier. You're a multiplier. Darren, you know, I called you when you came in. You know what your name means? It means precious present. Darren, precious present. You're a gift. You're a precious gift. God's called you to be a precious present through your life. You're a gift. Damaris, you know what your name means? I looked it up again. I've heard different meanings, but your name, Damaris. Damaris, it means dominant woman. God's given you dominion. And I believe that this year you're moving from just being the gentle, because that's also connected to your name, Dominic's gentle. When I saw dominant woman, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, you know, I've held you gentle and meek and mild long enough. There's something more in your anointing. You are to dominate. You are to take dominion. And that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen this year. Amen. Heidi, you know what your name means? What? Noble. Of noble kind. It means that you are part of a heritage that has resources. But it also means you are of a noble kind. That means that you are a person of high standards and morals. That's in you. God's called you to that. You are nobility. You are nobility. Nathan, Seth, you know what your name means? Nathan means he has given. He gives. You're generous. It's in your nature. But Seth means appointed. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I have chosen you. Jesus said it. I've chosen you. And I've appointed you to bear fruit. But here's the thing. He says, I've appointed you fruit that will last Not fruit.
that will be temporal but lasting fruit. That's your destiny. I want you to understand there's power in the name. Your name has power. And even if your name, you think, well, it's insignificant. No. And you say, well, I don't like my name. Well, God can rename you tonight. And I'm telling you, if you will listen to him in his presence, he'll give you a name. He'll give you a name. You know my name? Jose. Jose. Joseph. He will add. But angel. Angelos. Messenger. I'm fulfilling my name. I'm a messenger. I'm a proclaimer. And I believe I'm a messenger that's to proclaim what the messenger said to Mary. Unto you. With God. There is no word that he's given you that is void of power. With God, nothing is impossible. I believe that. God knows your name. God knows your name. Now, I want you to get ready to listen to a song called You Know My Name. We're going to have the lyrics on the screen. And I want you to just let it minister to you. But then I also, for those of you that would want to engage, I want you to begin to sing the words. Because as you hear this song, you're going to see how it's going to transition from that he knows our name to what he promises to do in the times of our testing, of our battles, of our trials. Let's watch this. You know my name.
thank you for your promise. We thank you that you call us by name. You are personal. You are personal. We are more than just a group here tonight. You see us as individuals as well. And you call us by name. And I thank you that through your power, you are able to break any curse that has been pronounced over our lives. I thank you that there is no name that has been declared over my life for the purpose of trying to limit, hurt, or hinder me from experiencing the blessings that you want me to know. There is no name that can stop that from happening when I call upon you, Lord. Right now we call on the name that is above every name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you see in me greater. You see in me something greater. Thank you, Jesus, that you see beyond my frailties and my failures. You see what I can become through you. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. I thank you for your sons and daughters here tonight. Thank you, God, that you pronounce upon them, each one, you are precious in my sight. You are the apple of my eye. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. I believe that right now, by your anointing, you are infusing with might so that what you see will unfold and come to fruition in your sons and daughters, Father. I declare it through your anointing right now. Thank you. Thank you that I'm in the presence of a royal priesthood. <laughs> I am in the presence of a royal priesthood. I am in the presence of royalty right now. I am in the presence of kings and priests unto God. Thank you. Each one here, God, is marked. Marked by your grace for greatness beyond our weakness. Yes. Abba, I thank you. I thank you. Thank you for calling me by name. Thank you for calling me by name. Thank you that you say you are mine. I've got full custody of you. You're my responsibility. And I'm committed to it. Thank you, Lord. 
down, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want you to say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blessing of your presence. You are with me when I face the rivers of difficulty. You are with me when I face the fire of affliction. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessing of your presence. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessing of your promise. Your promise to me is, I have a future and a hope. Thank you that I'm going somewhere. Thank you that I'm progressing in my life. Thank you that I'm excelling through you. Because I have a future and a hope. And thank you, Heavenly Father, for the blessing of your power. Your power makes me your witness. I have the power to give evidence that I am more than a conqueror. That I am your child. That you are living in me. The risen one, the resurrection power is in me right now. And I give evidence because of your power. I thank you, Lord, that I am marked by you to experience greatness beyond my weakness. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give him praise? Woo!